April 14, 1865, John Wilkes Booth assassinates Abraham Lincoln. Ford's theater staff give him one warning, and then he's ejected without a refund. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. Oh, <laughs> uh, that one was good. <laughs> I'm Zach Powers. And joining us is friend of the show, Zach Welch. Hey, everybody. Sorry <laughs> to talk out of line there. That was pretty funny. <laughs> no, that, that works for me. I appreciate it. From the audience's perspective, that joke happened, and then our full theme song, and then your appreciation of it, much delayed. What what the audience doesn't hear is the 16 full seconds of laughter in between me making that joke and the podcast starting. Yeah. Yeah, we always play the theme song live yeah, in no, studio. Yeah, no, I got the band over here. Uh, I got uh, Kevin Eubanks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Roots. The Roots, right. Uh, not... Not their normal instruments. It's like a weird little clicking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the fuck that is. It's a triangle and some chimes, I think. Uh, it's whatever I downloaded off of Creative Commons and then sped up in Audacity. <laughs> and it turns out it was by Kevin Eubanks and the Roots and a, a rare collab. Also, uh, uh, damn it. Who's, who's David Letterman's dude? Or was David Letterman's Paul dude? Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. I almost said Paul Shear, but I'm like, I know it's something... Nope. Like that. Paul Schaefer does a dope remix of that intro music you guys have, actually. So. <laughs> Paul, Paul Schaefer, a dope remix. Dope remix. Are, are two phrases I never anticipated. Yeah, going old together. dirty Schaefer. Schaefer <laughs> <laughs> Kwan. Uh, <laughs> Young and, Schaefe. <laughs> and of course, uh, Method Schaefe and Red Schaefe. Right, of course. Red Red Schaefe is a bad yeah, <laughs> is a bad rap red name. Red Schaefe, yeah, that's. <laughs> That's a terrible one. Um, listeners, uh, before we get into the episode proper, I did want to say I noticed something after our um, Roger Casement episode two episodes ago, uh, and that was a sudden spike in listeners from the Republic of Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to say my comments about Irish people um, were, oh. um, of course... They're not still fair yeah. They tried. <laughs> they listened to that one. Well, and of course, they're now in a Jameson fog, probably somewhere. Right, yeah, yeah. They didn't even get this. They aren't even listening to you right now. <laughs> My comments, of course, uh, meant to disparage only Irish Americans, um, not people from Ireland itself. Fucking um, Irish Americans, specifically. Of which I am one, so, yeah. you know... Uh, we're self-loathing only. As most alcoholics are. I hate are. German Americans. I hate Irish Americans. I hate Russian Americans. Really, I just hate Brian Americans. I hate I hate Colorado natives. If you got one of those fucking native bumper stickers, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Me and Brian slowly put down our Colorado native beers. Oh no! I just got this Colorado native chest rocker tattoo. Uh, it, it has a picture of. Ralph, John Hickenlooper and Ralph Carr making out. Um, oh, that sounds great. That is. Wait, wait, wait. That's wait, a wait, joke though. for wait, six people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you're new to the show, uh, especially uh, from the Emerald Isle, uh, top of the morning to you. Um, <laughs> no, just let the, they've been through enough <laughs> at our hands. I really feel like you should be like, uh, drive safe. Yeah. <laughs> 
have a have a potato for us, you know? Yeah. Uh, first first the troubles and now this podcast. <laughs> when will they, <laughs> uh today actually will they the anniversary of the Good Friday Peace Accords. So don't blow anything up, Ireland. Jesus Christ. I'm editing all of this out. <laughs> um, if you're new to the show, what we do is each episode we pick a diff- different ethnic group and disparage it. Uh, <laughs> uh, we take a topic from history and one person presents the official version of events and another person comes up with a bonkers batshit alternate history. And this week we've chosen Germans, a very safe group to <laughs> Because most of the time they're like, yeah, we kind of, we had that. I mean, they brought it on themselves. We had that coming. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I had to get into it. I had to find my in for that character. Um, that character, of course, Baron von Sauerkraut. Uh, right. I wish you would do that at the mics more. Mm-hmm. More character. More character work is what Denver comedy needs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And Brian is so, has so many wild and crazy characters yeah, rolling around inside of him. A regular, a regular Boris Karloff, oh, okay. Andy Daly. What you should, happened? You should see his cat Williams. <laughs> I'm not. I feel I'm legally like prohibited from not. doing the cat Williams. That'll be that'll be next week. Yeah, I feel, yeah, that's that's for the Patreon subscribers. <laughs> yeah, for, for our episode about cat Williams. <laughs> Where he was really funny when I was in high school, and then when I got older, I was like, I don't know about some of this stuff. <laughs> that could be said about a lot of comedians I liked in high school, to be fair. Hey, Dane Cook. I'll say it. I don't think Bill Hicks has aged well for Oh, me. no, Bill Hicks has aged terribly. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Bill Hicks. Um, also, speaking of terrible stand-up comedians, today is the special day that T.J. Miller got arrested for calling in a bomb threat. God, leave it, leave it to a straight so, guy to hear a woman say, I hope you bomb, and just hear, like, <laughs> I have a bomb. Like, uh, yeah. one, one less Colorado native for me uh, to worry about uh, now that T.J. Miller uh, is off the map. He is, he's not dead. I mean, knock on wood. Um, well, his career is uh, he's, he's, functionally he's dead there. To us. He's so. dead to us. <laughs> Which... You would have known if you had yeah. seen his last two years of stand-up. Any hoozle. Um, last time on the podcast, we talked um, about Woodrow, uh, the Wood, Wilson. Um, mm. and Old morning Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> yeah, morning Woodrow Wilson would be a great like erotic novel about Woodrow Wilson's funeral. <laughs> Oh, okay. I was thinking, like, maybe Woodrow Wilson, like, that was a nickname he gave himself, but he didn't know that it had another meaning. <laughs> yeah, he no, was just like, I always wake up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a big Woody's t-shirt on, and he doesn't see from, like, fucking Aeropostale or American Eagle. I don't know. Um, Revisionism is fun. Yeah, there we go. Mm. Um <laughs> The, of, uh, the alternate history, Greg Hutt's alternate history, won out that episode. Uh, so thank you to thank you to Greg for that. But this, I believe in that uh, version, Woodrow Wilson was the basis for Biff Tannen. And I think he ran a house of ill repute. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, As it were. <laughs> yeah. At Princeton or wherever he went yeah, to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, um, I was trying to find a... I couldn't find a classier euphemism for that, and then I got scared. Um, 
but this week we are discussing uh, Paul von Hindenburg um, and Zach Powers. You are you have the actual history. I do. <laughs> and Zach Welch, you have the alternate. I sure do. All right. <laughs> hey there. This is Brian reminding you that the Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash the revisionists. Zach Powers, why don't you take us away? All righty. Um, I'll start by saying... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, as with all Germans that we discuss on this podcast and will discuss and who are famous from history... Uh, Paul von Hindenburg is easily identifiable by his mustache. Uh, so keep an eye out for Paul von Hindenburg's mustache. There will be a mustache quiz at the end. Hitler is obviously a gimme, but you're going to have to study the One other of the most ones. writable historical um, mustaches, if I do say so. <laughs> sure. They put care into their mustaches. I have to, I have to give would, them that. Would you describe it as a, like, a push brooms? Oh, no, that is... I had forgotten. No, um, yeah. that is it's classic a, handlebar. It's a little a steal bit. your mama mustache. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a your new stepdad mustache. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, a step stash. Uh, yeah. Well, like 1890s, <laughs> your new stepdad. <laughs> You're not my real mustache. <laughs> that's a mustache you don't right. see in the stands at your little league game. <laughs> All right, this motherfucker was born in 1847. Um. And I'm going to say this about uh, old Paul von Hindenburg. This is a fellow who looks a lot better in his story because of the people that surround him. Like, it's like, uh, sort of like how nowadays you'll hear a lot of people being like, oh, you know what, Uh, McCain or or, uh, Bush or Romney, they weren't too bad. But it's like, well, they were still pretty bad. It's just that now they're so much worse (laughs) that you kind of reevaluated them a little bit. That's kind of the Hindenburg's whole thing yeah, in this situation, Hindenburg's I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So this guy was born to uh, Robert von Bineckendorf und von Hindenburg. Um, and was distantly related to, uh, actually directly descended from, Martin Luther... Uh, he of I the you were say Luther King. how many and I like I know that it doesn't even match up. Time no, he means or. like eviction notice, Martin Luther, not like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Was it how many of those mother ninety nine proclamations? Ninety five, but but a ninety five. <laughs> <I'm thinking of, laughs> yeah, that's actually when Jay Z released ninety nine problems. <laughs> he was actually doing just like a reboot of the Martin Luther's theses. Right, right. That's why one of his problems was selling indulgences. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, the family the family was known popularly as like the Hindenburgs by people they didn't know. That was like their official title. But among their friends, they were just the Benekendorfs. So that was their casual name. Uh, anyway... This guy, he went to military school, you know, he marries a woman who's a philanthropist. She eventually dies in 1921, has a few kids with her, participates in the Franco-Prussian War and Austro-Prussian War. Um, He gets all the way up to a colonel general. And after 46 years in the German army, 
He retires in 1911 at the ripe old age of 66. And uh, that's the story of, um, oh, wait, hold on. There's a little more here. After being retired for three years. I'm glad we all came to play today. This way, so he's had six, he's been alive sixty six years. Everything interesting that happens to this asshole happens in the past last twenty years. Of his <laughs> that that life. is true. That yeah, that, totally. It's golden years, baby. Um, okay, so at sixty six in uh, sixty six sixty seven in nineteen fourteen, he is pulled back into the army. He had left to make room for younger men, but that he would not do. <laughs> um. So the German 8th is being taken down a peg in their engagement on the Eastern Front of World War I against Russia. And there is uh, a vote among the War Council to very suddenly bring him back. The way it was written, it seemed like he did not have much of a say. They were just like, listen, dude, you, you know how to do military shit. We're losing, so just come back. Um, so he takes over with a fella named... Eric Ludendorff uh, for the German Eighth Army uh, fighting the Russians, and very quickly they are involved in what's called the Bannon of Tan, the Battle of Tannenberg, <laughs> the, the, the Battle of, of Biff Tannenberg. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, uh, after Biff Tannen came in, all the cities were renamed <laughs> after him. So Tannenberg, second consecutive episode t- discussing Biff Tannen. At well, length. that's how time works. <laughs> Biff Tannen appears at all points in time because, of course, he has a DeLorean. But I mean, the last uh, one was Woodrow Wilson. This, is, this makes sense. Yeah, it's a little Where's yeah. Waldo, but it's fine. It's a little more Carmen Sandiego, yeah. really. And of course, Nelson Rockefeller mm. uh, made all of his money betting on uh, sports gambling. Right. Yes. Back to the Future, too. as we know. Um, yeah. It's canon. Well, the Battle of Tannenberg, <laughs> uh, a battle between Germans and Russians, ends up being. I think the biggest victory of the entire war for any one side. Um, so 80,000 Russians are killed. 90,000 are taken prisoner and only 14,000 Germans are captured, killed or wounded. And so it's a massive victory for the German army after they'd been suffering a series of defeats. This guy uh, Hindenburg is immediately a national hero in Germany. And he sees a series of subsequent successes against the Russian infantry on the Eastern Front. And it should be um, said, Russian infantry, not very well supplied or treated. Or... No. So there's way more. Yeah, like there's, there's over three times as many Russians as Germans uh, fighting. But they're often so poorly equipped that some of them just straight up have spears. It's all on Facebook the whole time. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm not proud of that one. Not proud of that one. Just checking MySpace. <laughs> um, yeah, so he becomes a hero of Germany. Uh, things start going, uh, you know, after there's a series of mixed successes after that against the Russians, but uh, eventually Russian morale starts to weaken and they start to deter. And, you know, obviously eventually the Russian revolution happens and Russia exits the war on account Mm. of that. But um, during his time in control of the eighth German army, he starts having clashes with this, uh, with the, basically the, the commander of the German army, uh, this guy, 
fucking Hyatt <laughs> or something like that. Close enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Falkenhayn tries to split up Hindenburg and Ludendorff. Ludendorff kind of becomes like his right-hand dude. He makes every decision with Ludendorff. Uh, they're buds for the entirety of World War One, top to bottom. Huh. Um, they threaten to resign if Falkenhayn splits them up, and eventually the Kaiser steps in and is like, okay, don't, don't do that. And... <laughs> Fucking high in himself uh, is ki- is forced to resign after his massive failure at Verdun. Mm-hmm. At which point, uh, Hindenburg becomes uh, takes charge of the entire Eastern Front of the war instead of just the German Eighth. Um, pretty soon, the Russians are abandoning Warsaw. They're leaving Poland and other areas, uh, and he holds the Eastern Front until such a time that. Uh, the Russians move to uh, sign a treaty and end their part of uh, their part in World War One. Let me figure out where I am here. Mm. But on the Western Front, at the same time, things were not going nearly as well against France and Britain. Um, and uh, Hindenburg and Ludendorff suggest unrestricted uh, submarine warfare. Mm in order to uh, buy them time, like distract uh, the naval aspects of the French and British so that they could buy time to restock their guys in the West Mm. and maybe rebuild their army with uh, excess troops from the East. Uh, There's uh, still like some blowback to this from other commanders, uh, including I think the Kaiser is a little uh, reticent to actually do that. Unrestricted submarine warfare means... Just open fire on whatever. No more warnings. No more. Like, you just go into town on anything yeah, you see. Yeah, it's Grand Theft Auto rules, basically. Pretty much, yeah. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, can we do yeah. that? Um, eventually. Great again. Uh, <laughs> so they're, they're, uh, they're getting blowback on this from the German chancellor at the time, Berthman Hallwig, who also... Uh, has some disagreements with them on uh, how to handle the Russian treaty. But uh, eventually Hindenburg proves himself and he becomes uh, the leader of the entire German army, not just the Eastern Front. And even so, uh, while he manages to hold off a lot of French offensives and kind of hold the line for a while... um, even while they're forced to become more defensive and push forward a little less, uh, things start to crumble as the the uh, Brits and Americans regroup, and it's clear that things are not particularly going well uh, in terms of the war. Right, or at home, because uh, also point, Britain had like blockaded uh, like German ports, so it was hard to get you know food. Right. And by this point, America had fully entered the war and America resupplied, fully entered. like done yeah. their part to, <laughs> yeah. All 10 American inches and had, <laughs> in the war. Yeah. So despite a series, like he had. Uh, so in spite of holding off against the French and even making some progress against the British initially, uh, eventually it became clear this was just not going to work out. 
Um, Ludendorff at that point had a complete breakdown. He was reported to constantly, to often be seen crying and yelling stuff like, it's impossible, we can't do it. Is that unusual to do? Is that a thing? <laughs> Is that... Because I do that. I do that. Like, I did that before I came in here, and I'm going to do it again as soon as I get back in the car. <laughs> I do it when this, I wake up. This podcast. <laughs> That's how I wake up. Just, it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, because constantly someone is telling you that they are, in fact, your father. <laughs> well, we use the word daddy, but. Mm-hmm. What a different version of Empire Strikes Back that would be. <laughs> <laughs> Classic line, Luke, I am your daddy. <laughs> and all that leather, all that leather he wears. <laughs> There's got it. That's, that somebody has role-played that for, before, oh, for sure. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Would would Ewoks be considered bears, though? It's Ewoks are small I, bears, yeah. Okay. But they're like petite yeah, I bears. I, don't I, just, wanna... I just need to know for a thing. There is there is such a thing as like yeah, a let's keep it smaller t- gentleman that or like a shorter guy that's I got guess. a beard and like is a, like a hairy hair. Ewok. Yeah, but right, cute. a regular bear like a, t- a, t- a bigger, burlier guy would be like a, a Wookiee, I imagine. Ooh, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's. I guess that's canon. <laughs> anyway. We all know. Tired. Tired Star Wars sexual fetish <laughs> is Slave Leia. That's tired. That's misogynistic. Right. Wired? Fucking leather daddy. <laughs> Still seems pretty 80s to me, but okay. <laughs> All right. Girth Vader, yeah. Nope, nope. Mm-hmm. Editing's that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, that's what Lucas gets when he puts Invader right in the name of his <laughs> villain. <laughs> Um, anyway, Ludendorff breaks down, uh, and eventually Ludendorff is forced to resign, but Hindenburg is kept. Uh, Ludendorff kind of resents Hindenburg for that, uh, even though it didn't seem to be totally his fault. Hindenburg did everything he could. Uh, and eventually, while they're settling up for the treaty to end the First World War, Wilson wants to deal with, uh, not a monarchy, with a proper democracy. There's pressure from outside, and people within Germany no longer believe in the Kaiser. And as a result of those Mm, two things, the Kaiser, Ah. yeah, the Kaiser, the Kaiser is outed. Uh, And a fellow named Frederick Ebert or Ebert or probably Ebert because it's German (laughs) uh, takes over as the president of Germany. Treaty of Versailles goes down and Hindenburg retires to write his memoirs and is still widely admired. And that's the end of his... Oh, wait a minute. There is a little bit more here. <laughs> okay, I see the game. So, I see um, the game now. As, uh, as, German, uh, as Germany uh, enters a downward spiral after the Treaty of Versailles, uh, there comes a point where Hindenburg is actually subpoenaed. They're looking for someone to blame the First World War on, and they bring him in for questioning. <laughs> Forgot about that. And he basically he makes like this whole he makes a mockery of the trial. Basically, he reads uh, he leads an angry speech about how the German army was stabbed in the back, and he doesn't answer any of their questions, and he just walks the fuck out. And he's like, "The people still love me. You're not gonna hold me in contempt of court." And he's right. <laughs> uh, he. He gets away with it. It's fine. And he's like, you know what? I'm sick of this shit. 
I'm going to run in the 1920 election. But then Ebert is like, actually, we're not holding elections till 1925 because I can just do that. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, maybe I'll just retire. <laughs> so he retires and settles off. Oh, wait, there is a little bit more here, actually. <laughs> Uh, the German com- in the meantime, between 1920 and 1925, uh, the German com- economy continues to go south, uh, and Ludendorff uh, starts to follow a fresh new uh, political ideology called Nazism, of which he is a fan, uh, and participates with a young fella named Hitler in uh, the beer hall putsch of uh, I don't know what year that was. I can't. I didn't 25? write it down. Yeah, that sounds right. It must be 24, 25, somewhere in that range. Um, So the center right, the non-Nazi right of Germany is like, listen, Hindenburg, if we're going to beat this Hitler dude, you got to run. And Hindenburg is not a fan of Hitler. So he's like, fuck it, fine. Even though I'm old as fuck, uh, I will run. I'm in my 70s, uh, but I'll run for president of Germany. In 1925... Eber, before the election can occur, Ebert dies, and a new uh, election happens pretty quickly. In this election, he actually beats uh, Ludendorff and the Nazi party and becomes the president uh, of Germany. But the problem is that the uh, Germans still win a pol- uh, plurality, uh, the Nazis, I mean, still win a plurality, and they... Uh, they kind of have a pretty large presence in the in the Reichstag. So um, he pushes a lot of austerity measures while he's in charge. Um, he refuses publicly. He makes a speech refusing to accept German responsibility for World War One. And um, Wikipedia said in response, the allies, quote, did not congratulate him on his 80th birthday. <laughs> 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 oh goddamn pettiness uh, i love it so much uh yeah he's no longer speaking to lifelong pal ludendorff at this point unemployment starts skyrocketing constitutional system weakens i'm, I'm glad you led to power not de- speaking to his buddy anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah reichstag's power is decreased and the chancellor's is increased the chancellor serves just under the president uh in order to speed certain decisions and uh, Hindenburg remains completely distrustful of the Nazis and personally dislikes Adolf Hitler when he finally meets him. Um, well, you know, it's a good call. He, I mean, yeah, he runs again. He may be in the beginning stages of dementia, but he does run again oh, in order good. to. Uh, well, uh, so here's what the situation is. He's running because he's the best bet to defeat yeah, Adolf okay, Hitler. No, that's. I take back what I said. <laughs> Seems like a historical constant. <laughs> he barely, barely wins the election. He's losing the support of the right wing that uh, put him in power last time and is actually getting votes from people who just don't want Hitler to win, who are more left-leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, he has to make a deal with Hitler, who is primed to become chancellor because the Nazis control the Reichstag. Hitler wants the chancellorship. He wants the vice chancellorship. He wants half of the cabinet positions. And ultimately what happens is Hitler does become chancellor. 
a friend of Hindenburg named Pepin, who is not a Nazi, mm. becomes vice chancellor. And the Nazis get three of the 10 cabinet positions. Goring is uh, a, a, like secretary of the interior or something like that. Um, Sorry, I, to me, it sounds like you said go ring, like a, like a yeah. goring. Okay, goring. However you want. I don't, I'm not going to respect this motherfucker <laughs> with a proper Uh, so Hitler does get a little more power, which he uses to move away from austerity to pumping money into stuff like the auto bomb and other like state production stuff, which is not necessarily a terrible idea on its own, (laughs) but a lot of it is like military spending and such. Uh, but he also pushes for proposals to remove Jewish government employees. Hindenburg fights him on that. He wants Jews who served in the military, veterans, to retain their jobs, and Hitler agrees. Um, And Hindenburg begins to have more conflicts with him as uh, Nazi stormtroopers become more thuggish and rougher in pushing their political agenda. After the Night of the Long Knives, um, he becomes pretty angry with Hitler over that one. Hitler sends him an apology letter in regards to it, but... What? <laughs> what? He does. That's what it is. I, but uh, uh, it doesn't matter because at this point, Hindenburg is dying of cancer. And shortly thereafter, he uh, he passes away. He removing Hitler's last obstacle. Hitler succeeds him, names himself Führer. Um, it's worth noting that lifelong friend Ludendorff That was in 1934 that Hindenburg died. Ludendorff is still alive, still a Nazi. In in fact, Ludendorff uh, worships. He doesn't just dislike Jews. He thinks Catholicism is bad, and he worships Odin. Okay, Ah. well, that's... I mean, me too. And, (laughs) fun fact, Eric Ludendorff is the basis for the Danny Houston villain in the recent Wonder Woman movie, although they're very dissimilar, <laughs> except for having the same name and both being German generals in World War One, Very dissimilar. <laughs> um, and both being kind of evil douchebags. Yeah. Uh, it's So a lot of people loved Hindenburg's military service, thought he was faithful and dogged, but his presidency was... Sometimes mistakes were made based on image or stupid concessions to necessity or to the Nazis. Um, But it's worth noting that his real longest legacy is that, yes, that blimp was named after him. (laughs) Um, They actually, this is the thing I learned. There was a, they wanted, uh, some people in the German government at the time wanted to name the blimp after Hitler, but ultimately they named it after Hindenburg instead. And it would be a very different tragedy <laughs> if the Hitler crashed and burned. But, oh, God damn it. There you have it. That is the true story of Paul von Hindenburg, the leader of the German army during World War One, and the president of Germany in the lead up to the Nazi movement. One of the things we've had a lot of in the past few uh, episodes is that these people's lives extend beyond World War One, and we see what happens leading into World War Two, even though we're not quite there yeah. yet 
in our program, mm. but yeah, that's just something so, that's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, spoiler alert, World War II happens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you haven't been following the show so far. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much we'll discuss it because of all the horror. They, they've been foreshadowing it, though. I mean, I think we all knew this was coming. Um, yeah. We did talk about, like, the yeah, the Congo, <laughs> like, the horrors <laughs> in the Congo mm. in the early do, 20th century. I mean, so. I do think just that's a thing fewer people know about also, but... That's true. But so That's is fair. Fucking Paul von Hindenburg, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Zach, thank you. Yeah, of that was course. very thorough. Every week, Denver's own Real Nerds Podcast sees a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. I think sometimes we're funny. Yeah, sometimes when I'm talking, not when you're talking, not when you're talking. Oh, you know, it might help if you told them that we're on iTunes or we're on Stitcher, so they could find a place where they can actually listen to us. Oh, okay, Brad. We're also on Twitter at Real Nerds, and we have an Instagram account. Boom, commercial, Brad. Cut paste upload we like to have fun sure i like fun james you're very bad at improv realnerdspodcast.com zach whenever you're ready yes of course so i think that um there's a few things that people just sort of neglect to include in the history of paul von hindenburg um one thing that one thing that definitely did happen and zach fact check my dates here but was it in 1914 1915 they erected that really tall um wooden statue of him in berlin and they sold nails to people to Uh, raise money for the war effort to pound into it that's correct. Yeah, that was after the victory at the Battle of uh, Tannenberg. They created this statue for him and sold nails to raise what? money. Yep. And they said, they said uh, like something like three hundred thousand nails were sold, and they raised a lot of money for the war. Effort. Yeah, that's German. that's that's what I understand as well. So, um, you know, when he returned home in May of nineteen nineteen, um, Paul von Hindenburg actually enjoyed a massive amount of celebrity. You know, not only um, was there that giant wood statue that was erected, but he was on um, cups and tobacco boxes, <laughs> just all the merch in Germany had <laughs> this guy's mug on it. Um, in fact, the best. Yeah. It was Hindenburg That's right. fever. <laughs> um, in fact, the best-selling toy of Germany in the Christmas of 1919 was a my size version of that statue. <laughs> it's, it's, and it, it was sold to children. It really, no, go on. I think it tells you a lot about uh, early 20th century Germany that the sexiest man in Germany was a late 60s mustachioed general. Well, fresh off the so war. So much so that they actually sold those statues um, as toys and they included a hammer and 69 nails <laughs> to <laughs> subliminally set the standard of beauty for all German men going forward. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so PVH, as they called him, HPV already having been taken and dropped on the Prussians. Uh, was he was just in all the tabloids, he went to all the special events, all the award shows, and he regularly left his house to find just a smattering of fans gathered in front of his home, hoping for a glimpse of him. They traveled far and wide, but none of it was enough. For PHV had met a uh, a new woman, a young Chantreuse in Berlin. <laughs> uh, her name was her name was Selina Quartzenhofen, and she. <laughs> And she had stolen PVH's heart and totally captivated his mind. Um, she was talented and ambitious, and she, envi- and she inspired him to dream like he was a young man once again. Now, knowing that one's 15 minutes are fleeting, even on an analog clock, uh, PVH <laughs> decided to parlay his rise to stardom um, into yet more stardom. Um, so desperate to showcase his earthy baritone voice, he and mm. Selena both auditioned for German Idol, uh, which became <laughs> the most popular radio show of 1920. I think it was mandatory, actually. 
actually, at the time. <laughs> um, they were able to keep their affair a secret, even as they moved into the final rounds of the show, and PVH's mistress ultimately won the contest in March of 1920. Um, they enjoyed a whirlwind two months of being in love and on tour as finalists of the show until May 15th, 1920, which was the day Selena was shot by German Idol superfan Yolanda Sauerkraut. <laughs> <laughs> And the remainder... I was wondering how you were going to work that. Oh, yeah. So the remainder of the tour, of course... From from Justin to Kelly to Selena. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they, there was a very poorly acted short film about it later. Um, but the rest well, of that that's tour... that's up for dispute. But anyway. <laughs> uh, the rest of that tour was canceled, of course, in Selena's memory. Um, after that, you know, our, our friend PBH was heartbroken and distraught. And he mostly had managed to keep the affair a secret. He needed to maintain that secret um, for the sake of both his marriage uh, and his public image. Um, having few confidants outside his own family, um, PVH turned to drinking and his social life at this time. He was frequently photographed at parties and nightlife hotspots with his friends Pavel Hefeweizen and Nicholas Reichstag. Um, <laughs> and during this time, um, PVH was seen driving with his grandchild on his lap, dangling a grandchild off of a balcony, and losing the right to mm -hmm. see his grandchildren ever again. <laughs> Um, perhaps the most infamous moment of this period, PBH was pictured with a shaved mustache attacking a Jeep with an umbrella. And, um, <laughs> okay, so we're just running the gamut across them now. Okay. <laughs> um, after being arrested for doing cocaine in a brothel on Halloween of 1920, wearing little to no costume, uh, he went to rehab where he remained until January of 1921. Uh, when he left rehab, he had a few quiet months caring for his ailing wife until she died in May of 21. Um, he became relevant to the public once more by doing talk shows and participating in Dancing with the Stearns, a wildly popular... <laughs> Uh, a wildly popular, if not exceedingly stupid concept program uh, in which he so, took second place. Just for reference, currently this man is aged 75 yes. years. Hell yeah. Yeah, he's very limber for 75. You'd be surprised. Yeah. The Germans are not very virile. He is the exception that... Yeah, also Germans are kind of a poor field of dancers in the first place. So. <laughs> I think you'll find that most steps. retirement... If you go to most retirement homes in the this or or any country, but particularly in Germany, the night that they really allow them to cut loose once a year is called von Hindenburg <laughs> night, where the old folks really cut a rug and have a lot of sex and cocaine. <laughs> and of course, there's Sadie von Hindenburg night uh, when the ladies demand the dudes dance with them. <laughs> Um, okay, so he did uh, he did the talk shows. Um, he took second place in Dancing with the Sternas, and so to piggyback on that success, um, he released a new album in September, as well as a collection of holiday standards at the end of that year. Um, it was it was at a Christmas party that he met the woman who would become his second wife, uh, Nicole Brownstein, a Jewish woman. <laughs> Uh, Brownstein, I wasn't expecting that. Okay. A Jewish woman had stolen PVH's heart. They were married by June, and she was found dead in September. Um, one of, in fact, to this day, one of the most iconic moments in German history um, is a photo of the German police force chasing him through the city in a white Audi as they attempt to arrest him <laughs> for the murder. Um, that trial lasted well into the spring of 1923, um, but in the end, it was a pair of lederhosen stained with Brownstein's blood that did not fit Paul von Hindenburg <laughs> that ended up getting him off. 
Um, hoping for the best throughout the trial, um, PVH was actually able to work out a reality show deal during the course of the trial, and he spent the summer of 1924 uh, filming The Wonder Moon Shore, and uh, in the autumn of that year, he was the host and judge of The Lairling, which is The Apprentice, and it's where the contestants <laughs> perform... Um, contestants perform military-style group challenges for a shot at a cash prize and a fake military ranking. Uh, so he was at the very height of name recognition at the beginning of 1925, and at that time he was called upon to run for president. Uh, he was skittish at first, but the lusty, alluring greed of fame and the first stages of dementia finally changed his mind. <laughs> Um, his election was successful, despite him trying to physically fight a man he saw attempting to pawn a my-size nail statue. Um, they, of course, had fallen out of popularity, but in a moment of senility, PVH insisted it was his own memorabilia. <laughs> PVH was named, was named president of Germany in May, and that, as they say, is why we have Hitler. <laughs> I think also now we can cross-list this as a true crime podcast, and I think that'll really just boost boost us oh, through yeah. the roof those things <laughs> zach thank you fucking sell like hotcakes <laughs> sell like hotcakes yeah. <laughs> we're selling this that's awesome <laughs> uh zach thank you yeah, of course uh before we get to the judgment phase uh listeners i want to remind you that you can get a hold of us via our website revisionistpodcast.com or our uh the social media there we go jesus uh i turned 30 and forgot everything uh so Facebook- telegram uh, Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, um, and we asked... The revisionists at yahoo.com. <laughs> We're on Yahooligans. <laughs> We're on... Uh, we got a Hotmail. Go get it, like us. <laughs> look look for us on Ask Jeeves. Um, we also ask that you, uh, on your podcast service of choice, uh, write a review of the show, which is super helpful in... Uh, Exposing us to new listeners. Uh, Irish, welcome. Um, hey, I mean, <laughs> are you sure about that? Finally, <laughs> after 60 episodes, we've changed the policy. Um, well, the thing is, they just they kept coming in such overwhelming numbers and illegally registering to vote and secured <laughs> positions of power. So, um, <laughs> Jesus, that's how we did it here. Um, that was a little B-52s. Uh, Zach Welch, uh, you uh, you host two great shows at the Denver Bike Cafe. Yeah, we do an open mic every Sunday at 8, and then we do a uh, showcase second Wednesdays at 8.30, and it would be great if y'all came to those. Hell yeah. Um, I'm also on the Longmont Laugh Fest at the end of the month. I'll be at Sky Brewing on the 27th at 7, so if you're in northern Colorado, come to that. Or you can catch me headlining our bar um, Friday the or Saturday of that week, the 29th, I believe. Awesome. And our bar's in Fort Collins. Our bar is in Fort Collins, yes. Um, 28th. So it's the 26th and the 28th. I lied. I'm sorry. Longmont Laugh's the 26th. Our bar's the 28th. Please come. Um, and then... Zach Powers, Stage of Fools, is your podcast with Shannon Camp. It <laughs> is my podcast with Shannon Camp. Um, it's You can listen to uh, the remaining uh, probably six or seven episodes before that show probably ends forever. <laughs> um, uh probably for the best it's a mercy killing at this point. We're of course talking about Ease um, the Royals, not the podcast, which is... I mean, six of one. <laughs> uh, 
Regardless, we have fun over there, so if you want to listen to us ramble on about the stupidest fucking show on television. In this past episode, the King of England dissolved Parliament just by saying, hey, Parliament's dissolved, and no one really minded <laughs> that much. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Is there like a, is there no, like there a subreddit go. fandom for that, like there is almost every other show on TV? You know, I think it's more like there's Tumblr uh, yeah, fans yeah, who sense. like the central romantic sure. pairing, which is the part that me and Shannon hate <laughs> the most about the show. Oh, goddammit. As for me, um, I will be on also the aforementioned uh, Longmont Laugh Fest, uh, actually also on April 26th um, at uh, Long Tucky Spirits at 9 p.m. Uh, there's a whole bunch of shows going on then. Um, and, but yeah, so you actually probably would be able to check out both Zach and myself, um, and a whole bunch of other people. Um, (laughs) I didn't mean for that to sound as dismissive. Um, other people, what are those? I'm a solipsist. Um, now is, of course, the time for judgment, and both Zachs performed admirably, um, (laughs) Uh, Zach, especially given a great deal of the actual history of this fella is like him talking about the minutia of military uh, decisions during World War One, which does not translate yeah. great. I didn't even mention he's also often considered responsible for the victory at Flanders Field. <laughs> so great. That. No, this one was dense as fuck. Thank you guys for letting me choose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yet. Well, Zach, very thoroughly researched and well put together. Uh, Zach Welch, I also, but goddamn it, anytime someone puts in a German language pun, (laughs) I'm also just a sucker for celebrity drama illusions. So I'm going to give it to the alternate for my vote. Thank you. Brian Flynn has a closet that's just every Us Weekly printed in the 90s. Yeah, that's what my closet used to look like, too. Uh, but listeners, voting is now open to you, uh, so cast your vote. Uh, but for everyone here at The Revisionists, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good time. <laughs>